pretty special day at the Garden this afternoon. Bruins honor David Krejci for his thousandth career NHL game, all with Boston. Obviously, his thousandth game was a few weeks back, I believe, but uh, obviously the ceremony was today, and uh, really just a really special ceremony for him. You know, Patrice Bergeron gets a lot of recognition, and rightfully so, over the years. I just felt like today was a a nice day for Krejci to be recognized uh, in a Bruins win to top it all off. Yeah, and then, you know, a nice video with a bunch of current former teammates, um, including Yarmir Yager, obviously, uh, you know, fellow countryman, legend uh, of Czechia, and very briefly a Boston Bruin. Um, but yeah, that, the whole ceremony was nice. He got, you know, the the usual uh, silver stick that guys get for their 1,000th game. Um, you know, a few other things, uh, Bergeron, Marchand and Pasenak were all part of the ceremony and all out there, you know, taking pictures. His family was out there, obviously, uh, he got, you know, a nice painting from the Bruins organization. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, think Bruins always do these things well, and obviously they've had a, you know, a few of them recently now. Uh, and yeah, this one was, it was nice to see and, you know, obviously good ovation from the crowd and crazy gave a little acknowledgement. We know he's not, you know, the most comfortable having the spotlight on him, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good time Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and DeBrusque after the game said he was trying to sneak in the background of all the crazy pictures that would Bergeron and pasta so that he could always be in, in the back of those pictures whenever they're put up or he said crazy will always have to see me back there. <laughs> but yeah. And you want to know what else I liked pregame? And I almost felt like, you know, it was so good. Let's just end it here. Go home. No need to play a game. Was um after the Krejci ceremony, Todd Angeli effed up the National Anthem. I was laughing so hard that I started crying. I, didn't, I don't know why it was that, like, it was that funny to me. But he started, it threw him off. He forgot he had to sing Oh Canada. And then he started and then was like, time out, redo. So just to defend Todd real quick, because I went back and watched it, Ron Polster, the the organist, actually started playing the Star Spangled Banner um, prematurely. And you yeah. can see in Todd's face, he's like, what am I supposed to do here? And so he starts, and then that's... So it actually wasn't Todd's fault. He actually kept himself together really well, but it was definitely a, 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 a funny moment at the Garden. I was dying. I, and, and you want to know what? He did handle it well, because then he just... He got a full, like ovation when he restarted they're like okay no you got this you got this well th- then he nailed it like the, yeah. both of them felt like there was there's some extra energy there and it's like you know it's one of those things where it's you know people respond respond to adversity and make up for mistakes in different ways and uh again i think the thing we learned that todd he's the kind of guy who, he, he goes he turns a puck over he goes up the next shift and scores gets it right back <laughs> He did. He he like I think that was the loudest national anthem I've heard him do. Like it was just, he just went for it. There's a lot of um emotion behind it. Anyway, um to the game because that was all before the game. Uh once again DeBrusque starts out the scoring for the Bruins. Um and I had a chance to talk to him after the game and he's you know, he said that really physically he feels fine and it's more of a mental thing to to just like get used to being back um in games and just because it was such a long layoff for him and after the first 
the first game back, he even said it was weird to be out on the ice. Um, so I think it's more of a mental thing for him, but it has not affected him. He's been able to to contribute uh, since he came back. Yeah, and he's doing exactly what he was doing before the injury, which is he's going to the net, body pucks to the net. You know, it's how he scored uh, Saturday, his first game back. Um, and it's how he scored on Monday. The, the opening goal is, you know, he gets the puck down low from Marchand and just takes it right to the net. And I think he knew, like, I think he knew he wasn't scoring on the, the first shot. So you're hoping either the rebound comes back to you or pops out the other side to Bergeron because he's right there as well. And it went right back to DeBrusque and he bangs it home. Um, you know, this is, it's like, this is the kind of thing we knew DeBrusque could do forever but then you know in the past at times you would go way too long without seeing it without seeing him going hard to the net and and scoring in close um you've seen it pretty much all season and coming back from the injury doesn't look like he has any sort of hesitation or you know um yeah like he's not he's not afraid to go there he's not worried about you know am i gonna get hit injured again whatever he's picked right up where, where he left off and has now already scored a couple goals that way. Yeah. They're a real tenacious line with him out there. It's you see it right away. And uh, I, I think I saw, uh, I forgive me. I forget who it was, but somebody mentioned on, on Twitter uh, how many games he's played since being with Bergeron and Martian dating back to last year. And he's almost a point per game, I think in that time or similar to it. Um, I'm not sure if it was Connor Ryan or if it was um, uh, Ty Anderson or somebody well, like that. But Yeah, I had in, in the last calendar year, uh, this was after Saturday, he's played 78 games and has 63 points. And the time frame I took, he, he ended up, he got moved up to the top line like two games after that. So it's probably 61 points on 76 games since he first got moved up there. So, um, yeah, and I think it was 37 goals over that time. Like, basically pretty close to a 40-goal pace over a calendar year. And to your point last episode, like, there used to be this misconception that anybody could play alongside Bergeron and Marchand and, and not miss a beat. But what you mentioned last episode was, like, that's not that's not the case, as you've seen, like, in, in DeBrus' absence. So uh, he's, he's a bona fide top six guy now, if he wasn't already before. But, you know, he did have some struggles – you know, for about a year and a half there, but he's, he, the way he hunts pucks and, and, and like that goal you mentioned, he knew he wasn't scoring on that. It was just a heads up goal scorers type of play where he's like, I don't have anything to do here. So I'm just going to put it to the net and kind of just like, see if it comes back to me. And if it doesn't come back to me, I'm, I'm going to cause havoc anyway, by just putting it on goal and something good could happen. And uh, yeah, for him to come back and play with this confidence right away after being gone for five weeks is pretty impressive. And another person who, factored in and made maybe one of the best passes or plays I've ever seen. McAvoy had an assist on every single goal uh, in the game. And that last one to pasta was just absolutely insane. I had to watch it several times because I still was in disbelief that he could get that much pace on it. The way that he had his stick and the way that like his body was on the ground, you can't really get much on it. Like when you don't have your lower body behind it. And it was just incredible. I don't know how he saw him first of all, from the ground. I don't know how he made the perfect pass and got as much energy on the puck as he did. But um, yeah, he, he was a part of every single goal. In real time. I thought it was pure luck. Like I thought he was just trying to, I thought it was Greer. 
Oh, I, I knew it was McAvoy, but I thought he was just trying to clear it down the ice. And then you watch the replay, and it's like, you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that. Like, I, th- I think he saw Pasternak and he was trying to get it to him. Um, yeah, that was a great assist. His assist on Pasternak's first goal was incredible as well, where it almost he kind of briefly bobbles the pass from Pasternak, but then turns it into a fake and uses it to spin off. Uh, the center's player coming out to challenge him and then makes a nice pass over to Pasternak for the finish. Um, yeah, l- like you said, three assists. I mean, he's just been... He's definitely been playing the... Like, he's back. He's playing at an elite level for, I'd say, at least a month or so. It's been... it's been. I know plus minus isn't the best stat, but it's been over a month since he was a minus in a game. Uh, he's now up to 35 assists in 43 games. Like he's looked so good and yeah three assists today was um kind of culmination of that in possibly his best game of the year and in a game where his minutes weren't even up there like you know Jim Montgomery is doing a really good job managing guys minutes and I think McAvoy ended up he might not have even cracked 20 to uh, he got up to 22 so he got a little bit up there but um yeah it just great game for him and, and a continuation of a great stretch. Well, and that's, and that's the thing with this team. Like one night it's Lindholm, one night it's McAvoy. Um, you know, it's this decor is just so sound and they're very composed back there and they don't make many mistakes. They're not mistake free, but they don't make many mistakes. They're pretty calm, cool and collected back there. And, um, one of you guys mentioned, uh, passion actually, he got his 40th and 41st goals of the season and that made him, um, one of five Bruins in the 99 years of the franchise to have uh, at least three 40-plus goal seasons, uh, which is in a contract year that's pretty impressive for him, right? Yeah, and, and he's and he's there in 56 games. Like, that, you know, I think back the, uh, the year after COVID, that shortened season, that whole season was 56 games. And, like, he's at 41 now. He's only one behind Connor McDavid for the league lead. And those two have put... A, a tiny bit of separation between themselves and kind of the next group. I think it's like a four or five goal drop to down to third. Um, but yeah, obviously he's well on pace to break his career high, which is 48. He's, I think Bridget, you were doing the math, right? He's like back on basically exactly a 60 goal pace. Yeah, it was 59.9. So I just yeah. call that 60. Um, yeah, he's, he's on pace for that now. And the math changed halfway through the game because he scored a second goal. So, um, but yeah, he's, I would not be shocked at all if he got, had a 60 goal season. Um, Like you mentioned, it would be his first ever 50 goal season and anybody would be happy enough with that, but he really could do 60. Um, I would not be surprised at all. Um, And then you add playoffs into that. And, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about just so many goals um, scored for him. And it was just kind of crazy. It was a, a main topic of conversation after the game. I think Scott already put up a post about it. Um, he was working hard. Got that post up before Montgomery even spoke. But, yeah, it's it's huge. And it's funny that you say, like, the contract year thing because I hadn't even, like, for some reason that hadn't crossed my mind. Like, the background of the fact that he just can get probably whatever number he wants at this point. We already kind of knew that, but it's just in 
the Bruins organizations face. Like if they are haggling over half a million dollar a year, like how, how are you supposed to justify not giving him what he wants? Yeah. And, and Bridget, to your point, I, w- I would characterize Scott when people ask me, I, I call him a, a first line talent with a fourth liners work ethic. So it's just like that perfect combination of, of grit and skill from Scott. Um, Brad yeah, no. yeah, ex- ex- yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, going into this game, the Senators were the only team to have a perfect record against Boston this year. And although the Bruins got the win today, um, the Senators for a team, and I know that we're not a Senators podcast, but for a team that's kind of on the rise, they could probably hang their hat on the fact that they played Boston strong this year. Uh, even, in, even in defeat today, like they, they gave the Bruins a good test. Yeah, and they're not totally out of the playoff race either. Like they've kind of pushed themselves at least into that discussion. There, you know, there's a whole bunch of teams between them in the play in a playoff spot, but it's like all those teams battling, you know, the, the top three in each division in the East is set, and I'd be stunned if it changes. Obviously, you know, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, and the Atlantic, Carolina, New Jersey, Rangers, and the Metro. But then like this entire group of Florida, Pittsburgh, Islanders, Washington, Buffalo, Detroit, and like Ottawa's kind of right there. Like they're, you know, six po- or five, five points behind Pittsburgh for the second wildcard spot. So, you know, they're in it. And I think they're a team that a lot of people thought was going to be like pushing for a playoff spot this year. And they got off to such a bad start, other than when they played the Bruins, that you're like, oh, I guess, you know, they really miscalculated. And then it's just kind of they've slowly just started winning more and more. And now they're kind of right there. And like, but the only problem is there's only two, there's two wildcard spots up for grabs and there's seven teams that are in the mix. Yeah. So five of those teams that are right there aren't going to make it. It's going to make it fun to watch, like just as a fan, like taking out Bruins games, just kind of flipping around ESPN plus streams each night. Like it's going to be fun just to, tune into whichever two of those bubble teams are playing each other on like, you know, I feel like we're going to have three or four of those head to heads like every week. So it should be a, you know, pretty fun couple months just to follow that race. Especially when you remember last year, like the eight playoff teams were set by Christmas, pretty much like there was no drama at all in terms of who was going to, who was going to make the playoffs. 